All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us for another Thursday night. Karis Bible Study Newport News, hosted by Grace and Faith Fellowship. Now we on lesson 14 in the Discipling Through Philippians series. So we are going to pick up where we left off. Going to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we'll read from verses 9 down to verse 14. Philippians 4, 9 to 14. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the Lord, the God of peace, will be with you. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have to, the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I, I know how to, to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Now, let's go back to verse 9. Now he says, in the King James, he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, in the preceding verses, you know, Paul is, is given an encouragement, a guidance to for us to rejoice to be of a gentle spirit, to be anxious for nothing, to keep our minds set on what type of things? Things that are true, honorable, right? So he's, he's, he's talking about our thought life, what we are speaking out of our mouths, right? He's, he's giving us this guidance. And then in verse 9, he's pointing to himself as an example, right? Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. So him saying this, what does it speak to? The way he puts this. Because when you think about learning, child training, learning, whether it's parent-child relationship or even whether it's on a job or whether it's a sports team, any type of absorption of, of knowledge and development of skill, what is the best way people learn? Example. Yeah. And he lived what he taught. Yeah. A lot of people 
I don't do as I. That's a big you statement. Do as I say. You know, that's a really big statement. What, what those things I've been teaching you? Watch me. I mean, that's that's confidence. That's a, that's a guy that's living living the right life. I like a story they told one time at one of the churches we went to. I can't remember, but it was on Mother's Day, and it was two. It was a story. Two guys were talking to pastor or something about it, and one of them was like, "Well, you know." What version of the Bible? My mom raised me on this version of the Bible. She read it to me or whatever. And the other was like, well, my mom did the Living Bible. And they're like, oh, like the New Living Translation? He's like, no. Like, she lived it in front of me. Like, yeah, well, yeah that's, that's it. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Living it. <laughs> yeah. Because the thing about it is you can, you can argue what's written on a page. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult to refute fruit that is in front of your face. Mm -hmm. It's hard to refute that. Truly. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, with that being said, does that mean that you as a believer have to live a flawless life to be of influence or an example of someone? Mm -hmm. No. It'd be nice if we all could. Now, sometimes you speak volumes by the mistakes you make yeah. and the way people yeah. see you humble stand up again or, yeah, or make, make it right. Mm -hmm. Where you right. handle it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. King David did really stupid stuff. <laughs> murdered, wait, no, had an affair, then murdered the dude, and then whatever, and then someone came to him, and then he was in what we call sackcloth and ashes. He was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know, he like made a record. See, but the thing is, you can do a hundred things right. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll do one thing wrong. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to remember that. Yeah, remember that. And then I uh, no longer. You're no longer an example. You're no longer going to follow or not. I understand to a certain extent, but still, I mean, you okay, you forget about all the good. But when I miss the mark and when this area, you know, then you're like, oh, well, they don't see nothing but, like you said, that one flaw. It would disqualify you. Yeah, disqualify you, right. And so it's like, oh, you're no longer good enough now because. Oh, you mean I'm like you? <laughs> 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 Truthfully, right? If we would be honest. Mm. Okay. Because I'm, I'm kind of sitting here because this is like a, you know, this is a real conversation, right? Because what Eric is talking about, how many times have we seen that, you know, in, in the body at large, as well as, you know, local ministries that we've been a part of, that, you know, things that things have transpired and something may happen where somebody, you know, falls into this some sin. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, okay, what is what type of relationship do I have with this person now? Mm -hmm. Right? How do I look at them? Right. And, you know, I've heard what what the preachers used to say, what I I forgot who I first heard this from, but they said that the Lord's army is the only one that shoots his wounded. Mm -hmm. Right? That's what the preacher said. And I thought about that and I said, wow, bro. For real. That speaks volumes. Yeah. And how, how hypocritical is that? Right? Because folks will point the finger at the, the one who falls who may be in a position of influence, but in the same token, in that vitriol, in all that 
slander or just just that gossip and all this this spreading of this this negative energy you're doing the same thing you're just amplifying the mistake that this person made right so it, how how is that righteous how is that furthering the the cause how is that developing people into discipleship how is that promoting the gospel right but on the flip side of that, okay, there is obviously a, a, a need for a certain for discipline, mm -hmm. right. right, in local fellowships, right. But I think, let me just put this out there: in this this social media internet era that we're in, we have a lot of people speaking on behalf of other people or speaking to the body at large and against people who have fallen, whereas you you don't have no real vested interest in this individual. There's no real connection there besides the fact that you both profess to be believers, but you don't have no connection with them. But yet you don't have an issue doing a one-hour blog on YouTube tearing this person down. You know, again, how is that promoting the gospel? Now, let me just throw this out there. All right. I'll ask Eric first and then I'll just pose it to everybody. Okay. All right. You passed in a fellowship. You notice that, you know, you got a lot of people that are connected to your fellowship that all listen to a televangelist. That's, you know, influential. Scandal breaks out, right? It's all on 13 News, you know, ABC, NBC, all right? And people are still kind of connected with this ministry, but they're like, they're confused about some doctrines. You as pastor of your Local fellowship. How do you deal with that? How do you address that with, with your with the flock? Well, my my way would be pray for them because you don't know. You may not know everything that's in there, so you you go and pray for them. I mean, to lift them up in prayer. That's my thing. I wouldn't attack them like I said. Mm -hmm. There may be information you don't know, so that's what I think. That's what about Bible is. Pray for our brothers. That will fall, you know. That you know God would minister to him and put people around him to help him to whatever situation that is. But that I would encourage the congregation to pray for him. Don't slander him. Yes, yesterday I was going through YouTube and I saw Jimmy Swagger and Jerry Lee Lewis singing a Chris, Christian song. That Jerry Lee had a stroke and he only had one hand. And he was playing the piano like that. And I watched him and I almost came to tears because I said, Lord, here's two old men who both fell publicly in front of the whole world. And, and, and they're they're restored and they're they're worshiping and praising you. I was thrilled. Now I know there was people that would watch that and say, Oh, they're just doing that for money or they're just for this reason. But but that Jerry Lee, he was a wild man. He, he, when he, his voice kept cracking because he was in tears. He's had some kind of a 
relationship now with the Lord, and I was just thrilled about it. So when somebody falls and they're restored, I think that's just yeah. like that's wonderful. Yeah, thanks. And it's pretty for restoration. That's, yeah, that's well, we have the ministry of reconciliation. And if you know yourself, like right. if you really look at yourself hard, you're never going to judge anybody else. Because right. you're going because you can never stand up there and like Paul and say, "What you've seen in me, do that." I I, I couldn't say that. Well, hold on. Let me throw this wrench monkey wrench in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you heard what Gene just said, but didn't Paul call himself the chief, chief of sinners? sinners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, he he. This is the same man who said that, but we we just read what he said in verse nine. Right? Past tense. But then he it, was a chief sinner. But but there's a lot of like conflicting stuff in there when he was saying he's he's just as content, hungry, right? Mm-hmm. And then another time he said, "My God will supply all you need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus." And you want to say, "Wait a minute, how come you're hungry? Well, you know, you should." You should like you can take stuff like that and say, wait a minute, one minute you're on top, next minute you're down. But his attitude, I think, is the, is the deal. His attitude never changes to, to glorify God. I think it was really interesting, too. Um, I mean, something that happened years ago, and it might have been a good probably 10 years ago, it was when Mom and I were going to set up the church. A big-time minister could all sit that way, and they fell into homosexuality. Everybody may know who that is, they may not, but it doesn't matter. It's just the point that there was ta- our youth leader at the time. Well, um, I was a, like a training youth leader at the time. Anyways, he was talking and he had a lot of wisdom on this. He goes, a lot of people he had heard around church realm were saying, well, we're throwing this guy's CDs out and we're throwing his books out and all this stuff. And I mean, it does scare you at first. You know, you're like, should I do that? Is this like tainted or something? But mm-hmm. then they talked about it. They go, and this um, youth leader of ours, he goes, um, if you did that, then you're going to have to chunk out like this much of the Bible, you know, and it made sense. And I go, that's true. And I mean, then that's where the Holy Spirit comes to. It's like, if there's something bad, you don't need to listen to God will show you. I mean, you know, everybody's human. But this guy, apparently, he did a lot of good stuff. He just made a mistake. I mean, it wasn't good. They, you know, they dealt with him and helped him and stuff. And I think he might have been And if you're real effective and if you're doing stuff for the gospel, yeah. who's, the, who's the enemy going to come after it's not going to come after the guy that's not doing nothing. Right. He's going to come after somebody that's doing something, and and it, inevitably some of those guys are going to fall, and we need to kind of build them back up again, yeah. not not kick dirt in their face. Yeah. You see, that's what happened with Jimmy Swearing. You think about it um, when he fell, all the pastors pulled away from him. Mm-hmm. They he had no one to turn to, mm-hmm. and he was left out with you know, all this this stuff that happened, and he he did wrong, but no one was there to go. Hey, they all just they said so many would be on the stage with him and they just went yeah. away. Because we we just went to different places. I went all over the place to see him. And when that happened, it was like, oh my gosh, all these people just they were clamoring to sit. Oh, I have to sit up with Jimmy Swagger. And then when he fell, it's like, yeah, where are these people? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that thing. Not <laughs> me. When I saw I see that, I said, there, but by the grace of God, go I. I'm not judging yeah. that man. I'm going to ask God to restore him and bring him back. Okay. Okay. Oh, hold on. She got a text. Yeah. <laughs> now the religious skeptics want what he wants us to go to James three. Uh-huh. James chapter three, and we're gonna read verse one. He wants me to read the King James. Okay. There is no other. 
<laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Right. That's the Bible Jesus read, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. You are right. Jesus, yeah. yeah, chapter three, three. verse one. Back then. <laughs> All right, chapter three, verse one, and King James says, "My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation." So he's saying, "It serves you well to be condemned if you're a teacher." Ain't that what the words say? It could it could serve you well if, if if everybody in the body didn't want to bury you at the same time. I mean, if the condemnation could bring you back to repentance, that could be something. The, that, that could be a positive from it. You got other translations because mine doesn't sound anything like that. What you're saying? <laughs> Unless I just misunderstood you. Not many of you should become teachers, self-constituted censors and reprovers of others. My brethren, for you know that we teachers will be judged by a higher standard and with greater severity than other people. Thus, we assume the greater accountability and the more condemnation. So, so if they're going to be judged harder, I think it'd be behoove us to try to restore them. You know? Yeah. It sounds like it's it's making us. It's kind of like a I don't know what you call it, a rhema word or it's. Basically declaring that's how the world you live in is going to be. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it is. It's not necessarily saying, <clears throat> I mean, the way I'm understanding, it's not necessarily saying this is how it should be, but rather this is how it's going to be. And then there are other scriptures that kind of support, you know, how person who is a teacher don't be quick to get him in, get into that ministry you know if you gift the teaching you know you okay you teach but it's not you know don't get ahead of yourself and you know and then I think King James version says something about lay you know laying hands subtly on no man you know meaning you know you don't put somebody in leadership so quickly you know, give them, you know, basically discern and, you know, and and get to know the person and, you know, and let them demonstrate fruit, give them the opportunity for experience. And, but then if they do fall, you know, we are to, you know, restore one another with that spirit of meekness, knowing that, we could be tempted just as they were and we could fall ourselves because, you know, if you be judged, then, you know, that what it talks about in Matthew, you're going to, you're going to basically kind of reap that same pain. You're going to be judged how you judge, you know, yeah, so that you, same yeah. judgment. Who are you to judge another man? So right around the corner is coming if you, you know, judge that person harshly that made that fall. <clears throat> I mean, I, I mean, like I said, like you said, you when you are a person of influence, the level of influence you got, it comes with a lot of responsibility. George Myers always said, when you're in ministry, the number of people you can help, you can also hurt. Right, I like that. Yeah, and so therefore you have to understand when you 
been called and you receive that call and understand the, the weight that comes with it, so then you also got to have the character to come along with it. So therefore, those things are got to come into play. You know, so you got to understand, okay, yeah, I have a greater responsibility than just, you know, say the word layman. So I have to, you know, like once again, don't be got to walk a straight line. But, you know, you have to make sure, okay, I'm accountable for this thing. But I like to play Coming up, you know, I heard this picture, you know, and a lot of, um, you know, people in, with a lot of influence, they use this scripture to um, basically, you know, back people off. Like, and then they say, you know, the, the one that says, touch not my anointing, do my and rob no harm. And they, they would take a position of, yeah, you know, you talk about me, God gonna get you. Yeah, I'm anointed, so therefore, you can't speak anything against me, no matter what I do. And I always, that guy's hiding something. <laughs> yeah, that's why I say, I mean, in that position, I was like, that comes from a place of arrogance to me. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so that means, you know what, if you mess up, then nobody, once again, we're not endorsing it. People like to judge you and put you down, but they said, okay, if you're right, say, brother, they ain't right. You're wrong. Well, could to. it be that it's, I, I don't, I know that scripture, but I don't, it's not in a modern context, but there's one thing of judging someone's prophetic words versus looking at their character mm -hmm. or, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I, if it's in the context of judging their prophetic, like that's happening now. There was a letter written and circulated among a lot of pastors coming against some of the prophets today and telling them literally just shut up. That's dangerous to do that. Because to me, now you're now you're judging the words that they say the Lord gave them to speak. That's between them and God. Right? Right. But then their behavior or the something outside of the prophetic, mm -hmm. I think that's different. Okay. I, so I don't know. I'm just throwing right. that out there because when it says judge not my do my prophets no harm? I would say, as far as the prophetic word is true, I agree with that. But right, okay. And that's the thing that the, the, the modern phenomenon is that you know we have we are privy to you know different people's ministry gifts and their exercise of those gifts, but we got to be careful to understand what our lane is, right? Now, guy is, you know, he's speaking at a conference in the, in the city. I go, there's a, just hypothetically, and he says he, he utters some prophetically, right? Now, a few months later, there's some type of scandal that he's attached to, right? Now, he has a track record of accurate words. Is it my responsibility or job to correct or condemn this person? No, not me, right? Because I'm not, I'm not this person's ministry connection. I don't have any discipleship responsibility over this person. Now, Whoever this person is connected with, then 
is it's on them, their responsibility to address them and to get them mm-hmm. discipled in reference to the fruit of their ministry, the fruit of their life. But that's not for every individual believer to do. And don't you think maybe there's also a difference in someone who operates in the prophetic versus a person who's called as a prophet? Those right. are two different, two different things. things. Two different things. Because, you know, somebody is a who is a ministry gift versus the gift of ministering in, in prophetic anointing. Right? Two different things. Just like you you can you got fivefold do fivefold ministry gifts, right? So all of all of these individuals, these per, these people are literal gifts to the body to do what? To perfect the body, to help develop the body for the work of the ministry. Help for an exhort edify. Right. Right. But somebody who is not in that office, they can still operate in a prophetic gift, mm-hmm. right? Right. So again, when when we we talk about this verse here, I think, you know, Kevin, he really he he hit the nail on the head. That was awesome. Right. That's an awesome way to think of it too. Right. Because you when you talk about the responsibility, the level of influence that comes as your reach grows, everybody, you know, there's gonna be a just a larger kickback. From the enemy, number one, because why? Because your potential to influence and to do, to do damage to the kingdom is greater. Yeah. Just like, I, you know, I'm a sports guy, so the sports analogy, right? If I got a seventh round draft pick on this side of the line at receiver, and I got Jerry Rice on this side. Who you think the defense is going to pay attention to? Who am double and triple teaming? Not the seventh round pick, but Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver to ever lace him up, right? He's going to draw all the attention. Why? Because of the potential damage he could do to that defense, right? His reputation. Right? And so it is. So it is with you. In the kingdom of darkness, right? And I love to, you know, like where it said condemnation. Every, I think it's we've so long, even us, like you said, the grace and faith type of movement, we've tied condemnation with God. We're breaking out of that, you know, like there's somebody says condemnation or something bad. God's doing it to you, and I love it. That's like, you know, like Kevin would say, it's like, you know, the condemnation. It's like from people, you know, you're going to be, like you said, an influence. And you're going to be a target, you know. So just make sure you're ready for that kind of thing, you know, to let people know. You know, there's so many things, I guess, we thought, God's going to condemn you. God's going to condemn you. No, 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 no. It just means you're going to have popcorn thrown at you a whole lot more on the TV. You're just going to be like, ah, you know, they did this. You know, it's like, you know, be careful, you know. Right. Because reading in the New Living Translation says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Yeah, we're going to be under a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> but again, you know, the scripture says the gifts and callings of God come without mm-hmm. repentance. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, it's not that God, he's not taking joy in 
seeing, you know, leaders fall and, and, and they're all the, the aftermath of that stuff. There's no, he's not getting no joy out of that. And, and God is so merciful. Uh, 99% of the time, if, if you messed up and, and you're not a public minister, he's going to deal with you privately. He's going to just put you under conviction, under under condom, whatever it takes for you to eventually repent and get it right. Now, if you're standing in front of millions of people on TV every week and you're saying something that's out of line, he's going to deal with you publicly. But for the most part, I think God is a gentleman and he deals with people through conviction and kind you know, where they at home, they can get in their little prayer closet and repent and get make it right. That's true. If it affects more people than you, like like you said, very yeah. like publicly, and then the people who see that they need to know that no, this isn't right, and no, God still loves His child. There's a minister, but whatever they said, it wasn't right. You know, and it's you know needs to be like retracted or corrected. And that doesn't God doesn't take any joy in in in, in that. Never. You know, where the whole world knows that everybody's you know dirty linen. Uh, you know that that's in ministry. God doesn't. He that that's grievous to him. He'd much rather have a son that he can take in the in the woodshed and talk to. You know, I've never privately. You know, as a personal testament for God's correcting, I'm not in leadership position, but just in general, I never dreamed that God could be so firm but so gentle at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's been times he's like not even pulled me over the coals. I don't want to say that. It just. When he gets to the heart, you know, it'll be something he'll say, you know, to me, and it'll be, it'll make me think. It's never like, oh, you should have did that. It's, what do you, you know, like, I've said this example many times here, but someone who judged me really bad for my past and said something, wrote me a note, you know, letter on Facebook, and I'm just sitting there like, you know, really mad, and anyway, God was showing me, it was like, why do you know? Why do you think, or why do you think you know what they're thinking about you? And I'm like, and then I, I, I God didn't just show me I knew. I mean, he did. It was like, oh, yes, I used to be very religious and hypocritical. And I still could be, okay, that's why I know God showed me. It's like, but he was so gentle. It just, it, it, it pierced the heart. It didn't, like, make me feel like like crud, you know? Because like, so. there's a difference between child training and mm-hmm. punishment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Child training, there's, there's, there's teaching, there's development there. Right. Yeah. Because in and but punishment is just you did this, now this is your consequence. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I did. You know, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just, you know, want to throw something out there. You know, I know God chastises his children, you know, um in a, a scripture that talks about that, but is it I mean con- considering the covenant that we have with the Lord now. You know, um, you know, as David said, what they quoted him Acts, you know, we're under conditions that God is no longer imputing our sins against us. Um, he's cast all our sins as far as the east is from the west. So whether it's a layman person or whether it's a, you know, a well-known minister, when that person falls, is it really God that's pulling the covers back, or is it Satan pulling the covers back and revealing the fall? I think it's Satan. 
pulling the covers back. Because, I mean, I think during that period, it, if you're going the wrong way, I think God warns you. He's telling you, okay, you need to cut this out. Because, you know, you, you know it's, it's destructive and you're going to be destroyed. So I think God will warn you as you're in the wrong way. But then if you don't listen, then God is like, okay, then that gives Satan. Then you open the door for Satan to expose you and says, okay, hey, you know what? Since he didn't listen, okay, now it gives me the opportunity to expose him, you know, what he or she is doing. And now it's like, boom. But I believe God will warn you before that happens. It can be as simple as sowing and reaping. Yeah. And God tries to show you to get you to repent, and if you don't repent, you reap. Right, exactly. When, when I got saved, the night I got saved, up until that point, my whole life was evil. I mean, not bad, evil. I mean, the drugs and porn and all the stuff mm -hmm. that I was doing, and I would get high before I walk into church because I was afraid of those people in there. And and step by step, he he corrected me. And, and, he, and, he, and he moved with me where other people would have condemned me, I'm sure. But in time, you know, I couldn't get high anymore because when I tried it, I didn't like it. And, uh, and uh, you know, from the meth and the heroin and all the stuff, I got to the place where I didn't like it anymore. And I loved it prior to meeting the Lord. But you responded to this, you know, Kevin is talking about, okay, they say he's chasing who we love. Okay, God, God chasing us to the word, not yeah, and, and he and he never he, he never embarrassed me. me. Right. He never put me in front of people to say, "Look at what this creep is still doing." He's been saved for three months or four months or whatever. But see, I'm saying, but you responded. To yeah, well, yeah, I had no choice. So I mean, it's all about our response. Man, I tried to get high to blot him out, but I couldn't get high anymore. Right, but that, if you hadn't responded, right? Let's go to First Corinthians ten. We go start at verse one. I ain't know I was gonna spend as much time on verse nine, but <laughs> hey, that's what we do here, right? All right. First Corinthians ten, and we're gonna start at verse one. All right. It says, "I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters." And this is from the New Living Translation. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happens, happen as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and then died from snake bites and don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. Verse 11, these things happen to them as examples for us 
for they were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Now, you remember what Eric just said about quoting Hebrews. The Lord chastises with his word, right? So the word is the tool of child training. So the question is, how do we respond to the word in the face of our own discretion, in the face of us, our, our own acting out in the flesh? How do we respond to the instruction of the word when we see our true reflection in the mirror and we see that the behavior is not matching that? How do we respond? See, that, that, that's the true place of trial training, right, and discipline is through the vehicle of God's word and his Holy Spirit illuminating his, his word to us, right? Not the cancer, the car accident, the public scandal on, on, on Fox News, CNN and all this type of stuff, right? It's his word. Now, like Kevin was saying, if our response to the word is not appropriate, then it's going to come a time where what? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's going to be some reaping, right? Let's read verses 12 and 13. It says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So his faithfulness, when there are temptations, when there are attacks, when there are things that are trying to bait you, to walk in the flesh. What does the scripture say? Show you a way out. There's a way. He, he will always. It didn't say every now and then or sometimes. He will show you a way of escape. Because he's a good daddy. But now it's up to you to yeah. take the way out. Always. Always. You don't take it. Always up to the individual. Yep. Yeah. And that's what like you said, consequences. Right. And it's just like it's just like driving down the road. We use the same example of repentance. If you're going the wrong way, the Holy Ghost GPS is gonna is gonna give you that detour. He's gonna ding, he be dinging. Say, hey, make the next right, exit five one six, and turn around. You pass that one, ding. <laughs> Exit 517, get off, turn around. But just like it is on the interstate, the further off course you get, the more faint the direction is going to be. Is it still there? Yes. But your ability to respond to it and get back on track is going to get more difficult because you're further away. Now, does God want that? No. No. But again, 
that's that's our response to the word. That ain't you know that's not the the Lord actively punishing you. And you know what's really neat? He takes away that condemnation you had when you're in the world. And I remember one time I was witnessing to a guy, and, and I said something, and there was a person there with me, and they said, "Man, I can't believe you said that. Why would you say that to them?" And man, I could feel that conviction and condemnation just almost bury me. And later on, after I got it straight, I thought, I used to walk in that every day. And that heavy conviction, you know, because you're, you're practicing sin all the time. And, and once it leaves, you don't ever want it to come back again. Because <laughs> when it comes back, it's like a mountain falls on you. You know, like keeping, I think, too, like we're saying, like the child training, you know, and looking at even the commandments, which we're, the commandments are there, the law. Christ fulfilled the law. He set us free. Now we just trust him. And then we end up eventually, the more we're in our minds, we naturally do what pleases God. But just thinking about, I was thinking about some of the things God told us not to do in the Bible. Some, one, something I struggled with for a long time. And I'm like, I mentioned this before here, but anyways, I mentioned it again. might be you know, good for the subject. I was like, um, God, I don't understand. I go, I said, I've seen friends. I've seen people. Who've been okay and they haven't went by the specific commandment or whatever not to do and then i got to think i was doing something anyways god you know started showing me this picture and it was of a stop sign it was a curve where i live actually like it's one of those stop signs where like you have to stop and you look and i mean anybody can like go around the corner even if you stop it's really weird you know it's one of those it's just a visual picture for me we probably have words like that down here too and anyway like showed me that the commandment is the stop sign but the consequence of where you could get hurt is that curb and something coming around it. And that's why I saw many friends and people like some, some would not stop. They'd slow down and they'd go and they'd be okay because God, you know, he's good. He never leaves us. He's with us. But it put them at a lot of risk. They could have gotten hit by a car. Stopping was good. But however, I knew of people who had stopped. Stop and stop, stop. Stopped. And they still got hit by a car and went, God. How is this? You don't get just like, mm -hmm. but then I started to think, I go, in the church, we did so much with religion. We did, you need to stop at the stop sign. What are the commandments? Don't lie, don't cheat, don't have idolatry, whatever. You know, it's stop, stop, stop. But we never explained why. Yeah, don't, stop don't smoke or chew or hang with those and who do. And then <laughs> it just totally screws it up, you know, like, and then it's, you know, you're stopping, but then you're not looking. You're not really knowing the heart of the matter. And then you're getting hit by a car. And anyway, that just it helped open it up for me a lot of stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, again, it's for it's like it's the father of the child. It's like your own good, you know. I'm telling you to do this because this is for the best. Not just like just don't do that, you know. <laughs> like you know, mm -hmm. just thinking about that. All right, all right. Now, are we ready to get off verse nine? Or are we? <laughs> well, are we, ready? we ready? Have a lot of depth there, though. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right. At this rate, we'll be we'll be done by summertime. Yeah. You know, the Philippians, but we, we will have known this book thoroughly. That's a good thing. Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So just in recap, right? So when we talk about you know leadership, and we talk about Paul here setting the example and getting his, you know, encouraging the folks to look at him, see. We forget, I think, you know, Terry was referring to this before, and, you know, Eric was as well, is that 
when you see people walk through struggles and adversities and stumble, but continue to walk the walk of faith, to continue to seek after the Lord, it, it bears a amount of weight in their testimony because you're not talking some you're not talking about a picture of perfection that nobody can relate to you're talking about somebody who's got the same is made of the same muddy clay as you mm -hmm. yeah. that continues to take one step after another in their walk with the Lord in spite of the adversities and the, and the tribulations and things that come of whether it's of their own doing or those around them continuing to walk. And this is why you look at the point that you look at David and you say, how in the world can he be called a man after God's own heart? All that stuff he did. Mm -hmm. But what did he do? He never lost that seeker's heart. Mm -hmm. he, he, he always remained connected, like seeking the Lord out. Right. And 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 honoring his word and responding to his word. He had a relationship with God. Right. You know, he loved him very much. And you see a flawed man in love with his Lord. And that that's the type of example you see with Paul here. Is he calls himself what the chiefest of sinners. So if you're talking about somebody who can be a persecutor of the church, just somebody who's just like the exact opposite, he he he's setting Christians up to get killed. He, he was holding Stephen's robes when they stuck on him, like you know, signing off on and stuff. Yeah. And God used this man to write two thirds of what we're we're studying today in the New Testament. Yeah, he was a he was a he was a terrorist man. He killed Christians. Spiritual terrorist. Mm -hmm. Right. But he used this man to pin these words. So that's an encouragement. I don't know about you. It's encouragement for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's good, it's good. I'm like, shoot. Yeah, you know, I've done some stuff, but Lord. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when all people, when, now when I hear people say, well, you know, I can't follow him because, or I can't follow her because. And, you know, they may have legitimate reasons. Okay. But what I'm saying is that. Everybody got something. But even if I go to church and and, and the guy behind the pulpit, I, I don't follow him. You right. know, I, I just expect him to have something from God to give me to, to grow. You know, I'm not, I don't follow him. Well, see, but that's what people have to. I know. Understand. I know. They take this like, and I understand. They take person. it personally, like if. Yeah, and I mean, but you know, there are people you know who look for excuses not to. Then you could say to those same people, "Well, don't read the epistles." Right. Because Paul messed up. Don't read the Psalms because David messed. Yeah. Right. About, about what nine tenths of the Bible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. I want to interject something. People. Let me interject something. Now, somebody says something on YouTube. I want to put this in here. All right. In revert in, in, in reference to chapter 10. Right. All right. All right. This is this is the comment from Weather Doctor. He says, if you look at those two chapters, remember, it is not a way, but the way of escape. The scripture continues in the next chapter. The way of escape is the holy cup. It is communion. Okay. Now, what, what do we believe 
communion represents. What does it represent? Everything's done. Yeah. Finished work against Christ. Done through the shedding of the blood. The body and the blood, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What he did on Calvary. Right. Right. So the shed blood for the remission of our sin. Yep. The broken body, the chastisement of our peace resting mm-hmm. upon him, mm-hmm. right? our, our healing, mm-hmm. and all that, the reconciliation of our relationship with the Lord, you know, opening up the door, right? So he is the way of escape, mm-hmm. right? In that sense, right? Because it is, there is no, there is no way of escape outside of his leading, right. And the way of in, in communion, it, what does it do? It symbolizes what Christ did on our behalf so we can partake of his righteousness. Mm-hmm. So that's good. That's good. That's cool. I'm going to say something good. Now they put another porn link up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to verse 10. Verse 10. He says in um, New Living Translation, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. All right. So you have a, a body of believers that had a concern, a love for Paul. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now look at this, verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Let's sit on verse 12. Because you sure enough got to have a relationship with God to be able to say that. Yeah. Right. You can't do it without him. That's for sure. When I was young in the Lord and really immature, if I came into really deep need, I would get angry at it. I would say, you can blink your eyes and meet this need. How come I'm suffering here? You know, because I, I didn't know any better. And as time goes by, uh, that doesn't happen anymore. You just rest in God's will and love him and, and thank him, you know, in, in any situation, and it works out. Well, I mean, I, I can piggyback on that because I was mad with him, but I was like, my thing was, look at all these sinners, how well they know mm-hmm. And I'm just, you know, doing my best to serve you and doing this and doing that, and, you know. I mean, and I was, that's my anger came from. It's like they just doing so much better than I am. Mm-hmm. It's saying like, hey, I mean, I'm serving you to the best of my ability. But it didn't seem like I was getting anywhere. I was in the drugs yeah. and I can remember seeing guys that I knew were selling drugs and in the drugs and they had a big house, yeah. beautiful wife, two nice cars, you know? And I'd say, Man, they're doing better than I am and I know they're they're in deep heavy sin because I used to be in it with them. You know, and if you know you have them, yeah. the enemy speaks to you and says, "We're doing right, and don't get you nowhere." Yeah, it's not yeah. getting away. Look who you are. Look what you are financially. You know, hey, you know this. 
it's not getting you anywhere. And you're looking around, you're going to work, and you see people just prospering. And I remember one guy, and he was, I didn't know the time, but he was, he was selling drugs for water money, like pulled out like mm-hmm. this. I was like, okay, how is he more prospering than I am? And you know, I pulled out a lid out of my pocket. I used to know a guy, <laughs> we're, we're about 70 miles from Atlantic City. When he went to Atlantic City, he called Cat. Not only, I don't know what the bill would be, but, but he called Cat to take him to Atlantic City. You know, I mean, he had pocketfuls of money. But what do you think? What was the key? What's the, what's the secret here where Paul could do this? Because his joy and peace mm-hmm. didn't come from circumstances, yeah. based on circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think he knew God's character. You know, he really learned it from spending time with God and stuff. And I think all of us could probably say this. I was thinking it to you, you know, like we're just chatting about all of us, you know, it's, I think sometimes it gets driven at us too when we blame God, like, you know, when we don't have, like you were saying, you know, mm-hmm. you know saying that um, you blame God you know, at first, but then you realize more and more, you know, now it's like, God is good no matter what, I know he's not causing bad stuff. And I go, you know, I, I admit when it's like being transparent, I still sometimes it'll be, you know, God, why did you do this to me? Or why are you allowing this? Or why this? And, and then, you know, he's gracious, you know, he's merciful and, you know, he's always helping. And he knows he'll point out why I still blame him for stuff, you know, and be like, well, this is what happened, but this is how I am. And, you know, and he works it out, and he works with your heart. I think it's just a heart working, you know, it's a constant relationship and just getting to know God more every day, you know. How and, and you get mature enough to know that he'll supply all your needs, not all your wants, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I had, to, I had to learn how, as she was saying, find joy even when I didn't have right. Enough at the time, and that's a majority and I, process. It took me a while to get to that yes, place. Yes, and you know, I had to say, okay, you know what? I had to focus on. We talk about all the time that that word start with our relationship. It's about you, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I know I'm in a situation, and I you know you have faith. I'm not going to be this way always, mm-hmm. but while I'm here, I'm still gonna love me. I'm still, yep. you know, yep. I'm still gonna pray. I'm still gonna have joy yep. in the midst of this situation. And I think that almost makes the things attractive to you. It's almost like a magnet right. that you're gonna start pulling those things toward you because of that spirit of thankfulness. And yeah, Thanksgiving changes things. Yeah, mm-hmm. always. And I think you know when you, like you were saying about wants, you know, like you know, he'll supply more the need than the want. But it says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you desires in your heart. I think the more you get close, we all know, you know, the yeah. more the God, the more the desires become more Christ-based. And it used to scare me. And I have to say, this is a testimony. Somebody's listening alive or something. Like, don't be afraid, you know. That God's going to change your desires. He's going to take anything from you. I believe all he does, he enhances things. Because I've had desires in my life. And I go, the more, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not attained to this or reach something perfect. But desires in my life that I thought God would take away, but the more I trusted him with them, the more they just became brighter. I mean, it was just deeper. It wasn't just about like, well, you know, I'll use an example. You want to become a teacher. I just want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher my whole life, that kind of thing, you know. And when you like, I'm like, oh God, is God going to take that from me? And you finally know you can trust him with it. And then you realize, wow, I don't really want to be a teacher, but I want to show kids your love, God. Like, it's so much, it's just, it's like you eat a meal and you get a snack and you, you know, you have a craving, a hanger for something, but then you see something, there's no like calories, there's no like, I mean, there's no nutrition to it, but then you 
like have a full course nice meal and God just jazzes it up. That's how it feels, you know. It's better than what you ever imagined. So just you know, as a note there. No, also in my my personal is but you know, one of the things that jumped on me with this was in my personal state kind of he, he was focused. He his focus was on his relationship. He never lost focus, even in the midst of being hungry, being full, having plenty of I'm focused on Christ and what he is, who he is to me. I'm focused. So I'm not allowing these things that I'm experiencing on the outside to distract me from who I am in Christ and what he is to me. That's good. You know, they say those things that we focus on, we become or we draw to us. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're sick, what are we supposed to People that just focus on the sickness and talk the sickness. Right. That's what you're going to get. Right. But when you put your, your mind on Christ all the time, mm-hmm. that's that's where the victory is. Mm-hmm. And when he said to, to imitate him, you got to look at where he came from. He was a murderer of Christians. I mean, that's, that's all. And he said, imitate me. Do these things that are in me. And so you, he came from here and he got to there. I mean, and, and, and he was confident that he was there because God put him there. And where he could say that, to where if you killed a bunch of people, I mean, it'd be hard to say, do these things I do. Watch me, you know? And then walking with the Lord, you gain a certain confidence when you have enough experiences. You're at a time when... You're lacking something, but you've always seen God come through. He never fails you. He never lets you down. You, you can be content because you're you're basing it on his character, mm-hmm. the person that you know he is. He's not going to let you down. Right. And I had so many prayers as a young Christian that as I got older and matured, I thank God he didn't answer them because they were just dumb prayers. Yeah. You know, just, just stupid <laughs> prayers. Been there. Now, what did what did the psalmist say? The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall, I shall not, not want. want. Yeah, I shall not want. I shall not want. So, even in the face of these periods of em- of, of an empty stomach, of little, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If this is what my picture is, then this time of lack has an expiration date. Why? Because of the, the because of the integrity of his word. Right. And see, and 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 as you said, the, the whole focus on the relationship with him, the the external circumstances are gonna hit different. When your focus is on him, when you just you infatuated with him, that's what your focus is. And people and I, we, we underestimate the power of purpose, the power of intentionality, of having things to do, having a a reason, a specific thing to get done, things to stay active after. And what was Paul's chief pursuit? To know, to him. know him. And and as he grew in his knowledge of him, he wants other people to know him too. Well, all those doors open for me to go into the bathroom. I just gotta put like a trash can there to keep it from closing. 
I can get out there, right? Yeah, you can get out there. I don't need, I don't need a car or anything. Yeah, just get that trash can closer to the door. So that that relationship, right, is his chief motivation. He ain't got time to be worried about this circumstantial stuff, this extraneous stuff. But again, when you idle, when there's like there's no drive, no vision. Scripture says where there's no vision, people perish. Right? Yeah. So there's no there's nothing to move towards then the place of idleness. Now this isn't scripture, but I know the old folks used to say this. An idle mind is what? The devil. Playground, right? Yeah, playground. Now why do you think they said that? Because there's no such thing as a vacuum. <laughs> well, you're not focused. Right? If you're not, if God's word's not there, your yeah. minds are open for there you go. the enemy. Your mind's idle. It's just all, you know, it could be all in places. So mm -hmm. the enemy can come in and just bombard you with thoughts and things and do this. And so. But, you know, knowing God and stuff. And I, I thought about, like, when I first went through what I did, like, it'd be. Four years ago, but it was about three and a half years ago, I remember I was walking around my outlet store that I managed at the time and there was nobody around and I would just walk around and think. Really I was praying, but it was pondering, asking God things and you know, just so many ponderous questions I had and you know, all out. And I was just like, God was really showing me his love in a different way I never showed me before. But I felt like it was, it gets so driven us we need to win people to Jesus and we definitely absolutely we have a lost world. But it's like, you know, this, the whole thing of a Christian life is you've got to win people to God. You've got to win people to God. Even Andrew Womack will talk about that. You know, he'll go like, he was raised in that. And it was about how many, you know, yeah. you know, people you could bring into heaven with you. And it was like, and he talked to me, he goes, Adam and Eve didn't have that. They just fellowship with God all day, you know. And I was walking around my store just alone. Nobody was in there. It was a slower day or whatever. Just by myself with God my thoughts. And I was like, God, am I wasting time? I mean. You know, God, I mean, part of me was like, I don't care. God's like that. I don't want to do with him. But I would, partly, I knew I'm like, people are going to hell. I know enough. And I'm like, am I wasting my time? Am I not doing right? You know, I need to win people. God, I need to get over myself. And then I thought about what Andrew Womack had said. And I'm like, testimonies inspire us. It was so good. And I knew I'd listened to him enough. And he had talked about that he would win people to God. But when he got an encounter with God and his love for him, he wanted to tell, like, so many more people he just wanted to just tell the whole world like oh it made me feel like a peace i'm like okay i'm on the right track god the more i know this and it kept fulfilling itself the more i knew the more i still know the more i'm like god did that for me you should get to know that i mean that's cool you know mm -hmm. that kind of thing mm -hmm. you know? so it's event it's an organic evangelism yeah 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 because it's just like you know as simple as going to a good restaurant you go to you go somewhere where you get good service and the food is good. Don't nobody have to put you on a mission to tell nobody about it. The next the next time somebody starts talking about food and wanting to go out to eat around you, like hey, have you tried such and such place? Mm -hmm. Right, because you've tasted and seen that their food is good. And what and what does the Lord say about Himself? Right, what did, what did the Psalmist say? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Yep, and the goodness of God leads me to, to repentance. Yeah. All right. 
Okay. The, the religious skeptic just he just signed off on that one. He didn't like that. Sorry, he didn't like that. Sorry, he, didn't like that. he said, "Yeah, he said you took that at context." He'll try another day, right? Mm -hmm. He gets enough nerve. Yeah. Return yes. Now let's look at verse thirteen, a very familiar scripture. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now that verse has done a lot of damage. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, people have taken that. I remember, you know, when it comes to gifts of talents by Christ, you know, oh, you can do all things. You know, you can't somebody. You know. I can do all things. My wife cannot sing. You cannot carry a note in the ball. I ain't done, but she just can. And then, you know, went to the ministry and then, oh, yeah, well, you can sing. Bible said, God can, you can do all things in Christ. Okay, she can sing because she sings. But she can't sing well. <laughs> right? I can sing. I just don't yeah. sound good. Really? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I am. You can be exterminated. Like, like, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to sell no record, even no record deal. So I'm saying, but we use that scripture to just place on anything. Because yeah, it should it should maybe say, we can do all things through Christ, all things, whatever he tells you to do. Right, well, not yeah, all yeah, things yeah. as in all things. But the scripture gives us the context to that. Yeah. It goes. We talked about read all the verses before that. When he's talking about, I've learned whatever state I am exactly. content. Mm -hmm. He's talking about any circumstance. I can do anything, whether I'm full or empty, rich right. or poor, exactly. Yeah, feeling good or feeling bad. Like okay, I can go through all that stuff. You can't think. Did we even poke the mic and then you like? And as you get older in the Lord, you realize that everything you're going through has got a shelf life. And you're going to end up at the next step. I don't care how bad it is or what it looks like. There's a shelf Maybe life. Not. There's a shelf life, and, and that shelf life ends, and you start walking in something else. He, he just constantly moves you up as long as your heart's open and you're willing. Yeah. Hmm. So... Eric just stole somebody's thunder that was thinking about doing the marathon when they, you know, when they ain't never trained, right? All I need is the word, though. It says I can do all things with Christ's strength in me. And there's a difference between can and should, too, as a side note. Sorry. Yeah, it's like standing on the roof with your little cape on and saying, I'm going to fly off of here because yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God says, excuse me, there's a thing called gravity. Exactly. Right? Jump off a bridge. I trained for that one time for the marathon. Now, if I, when I got to the place where I could have ran it, I realized that if I ran it, it would have been the slowest marathon on earth. But I was at the place where I could just run for hours on end and not lose my breath and just keep a steady pace. And once I got to that place, I thought, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I knew I'd, I knew it'd be slow, but I, I knew I could do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So if we're looking at it in context, right? Mm -hmm. All right. Paul says, I can do all things through, through Christ, mm -hmm. which strengthens me. Now in the... See, let me pull up the Amplified here. All right. Amplified says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him. 
who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. Mm -hmm. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Mm -hmm. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Amplifies context, right? It's not taken away from the verse. It is putting it in, in the proper perspective so I can stand on it properly, right? So I can't take this verse in the King James and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and try to do heart surgery on somebody, right? Because I ain't got no training on that. I ain't, you know, I ain't, I'm not called to that. Right. It's like those sling commercials, I think it's called. Through TV, yeah. yeah. A tree falls through the roof, and this dude, he's, he, he comes up and must be like East DoorDash or something. Um, I can take care of that. I got this. I got, I got this. this. And he goes, you know, I'm going to need duct tape. I'm going to need this, this, this big <laughs> tree. 30 so tons of concrete and duct tape. Example. I know what to do. I watch Sling TV and I see all these programs. <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh my goodness. Oh man. That's a good example. It's mm -hmm. like, I could do this because Sling told me I can. All right, one more time. I'm going to read it. <laughs> Paul says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self sufficient. In Christ's sufficiency. Let me pause there. I am self-sufficient. In Christ's mm -hmm. sufficiency. Yeah. So how big is that? Right? Everything. You need nothing else. No, I don't need nothing else. Because the, the, David already told me, I, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. want. Right? So I shall not lack anything, whether it be internal or external. Anything needful for life mm -hmm. and godliness, he's given it to us in him, right? Same thing. You said, I can do all things that Christ has told me to do. Look all the promises and all mm -hmm. the things in the word tells you you can do all these things through Jesus, through Christ. You have to ask yourself, is he going to strengthen you to shoot your neighbor? <laughs> is, he, is he going to strengthen you to, to, to rob a bank? I said, I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah. He can, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us that will not harm ourselves or others or dishonor God. <laughs> As he leads you, though, you can do whatever he leads you to do. If he leads you to do something, no matter how impossible it looks, you'll be able to do it if you stop and think about it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, he can break you do something for a season. Yeah, yeah. Same thing, yeah. Yep. For a season, you know, for yep. that season, he can get you There's to do that. to do something. Yeah, do something. Yeah. Once your season is up. And yeah. how many people try to keep on carrying yeah. that? I added a room on my house and I wanted to have a pitched roof where I added it on, but that means that that pitch would have to be, be attached to the flat area where my patio door was. And in my mind, I didn't think that could hold the weight. And I, I prayed about it for a lot, how long, a month? Longer than that. Come, I kept praying about it, praying about it. I said, and, and, and finally the Lord showed me and said, go ahead and do it. It'll, it'll work just fine. And I didn't have any architect or nobody that, and it's been up there, what, 10 years now, 13 years? But I really thought it was going to crack, cave in the back of the house. But the Holy Spirit knows those things. Mm -hmm. 
You, you can ask him to fix something, and he'll show you how to fix something. Mm -hmm. I'm finishing up this the second half of 13. He says, I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I'm going to finish out the finish out the chapter here in the New Living Translation. It says Verse 14 says, even so. Talking to the, the Church of Philippi, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me from Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God, our Father forever and ever. Amen. Give my greetings to each of God's holy people, all who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, send me your, send, send you the greatest, their greetings, excuse me. And all the rest of God's people send you greetings to, especially those in Caesar's household. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. And that's what Episcopalian saying also with you. Can you imagine having a preacher today saying, I have all I need, I don't need anything you have? You'll never hear that. <laughs> mm. Mm. I bet nobody's ever heard that. I don't need anything. Don't give any. Don't give any offerings. I don't need anything. <laughs> Verse nineteen. I want to look at that. And the same God who takes care of me mm -hmm. will supply all your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, what is? The proper interpretation of this, because I've heard this. Okay, that don't apply to you if you don't give to X Y Z ministry. You got to be given to the ministry in order for that to be true to you. It's true or false? Because Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Mm -hmm. I don't have to give to X Y or Z. He's my shepherd, I shall not lack. Jesus made that provision. But you could also say you, you should give as you're led to give. Well, of course. Not not as people are putting pressure on you to give. Because that's who you are. Mm -hmm. You're a Christian, you should be a giver. Mm -hmm. Amplified says, and my God will liberally supply, fill into the full, 
your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And just like Terry said, she quoted Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Mm -hmm. I shall not want. And you remember Matthew. He says, if he cares for the lilies in the field, how much will he clothe you? O ye of little faith. Then he said that, that he became poor that you might be rich. Right. There's no qualifier on that. Mm -hmm. There's no qualifier. And that's what bothers me when pastors use scripture from Malachi, that God will destroy the devour for your sake. Jesus already did that. And when they do that to get money from you, oh, and he'll open the windows, that's already been provided for me. And that was that, that, that book was written to the Levites anyway. I know, but it's used every Sunday. Yes. And, I, and I think, no, Jesus already yeah. did that. It's like everything's used out of context so much if you don't like, like yeah. study into it. And I love how Andrew Walmart even talked about Ty. He goes, like, you really study into it, it's 10%. He goes, it was like yeah. a third or, or something or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or more. Or, he goes, it's the heart now. You do it out of your heart. You do what God should. He gives you a desire yeah. 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 out of loving God so much to give, you know. And when you study the tithe, uh, fishermen didn't tithe. Uh, the only people that tithe was farmers and people that raised animals. Carpenters didn't tithe. And nobody tithes except unless you raise food or crops. It just bothers me when they take Old Testament things that were conditional yeah. and try to use it now when Christ has already paid it all. But those guys that use the word tithing all the time, they could just change that word to giving. And they'd be, they could preach the same sermon, you know, instead of using the, the word. Because tithe the, the, denotes that there's a certain amount you're required to pay. And the New Testament just does away with that. This is grace. That's grace. Yeah. Like that. I even love, like, Zacchaeus. I used to think with that story, you know, where, um, you know, Jesus came to his house. All Jesus did, you know, you can think of it's like, it's like Zacchaeus. We'll come to lunch today at your house. You know, he comes and you know, our vernacular. And then, anyways, Zacchaeus, all he does, he goes, Lord, all my goods, I want to do this and this. And then Jesus said, You know, salvation's came to this household. He didn't pay for the salvation. Jesus just saw the sign on him yeah. that he was so touched. He was just like, I want to give everything. You know, remember when we watched that movie? What was the movie Zacchaeus was in? We thought he was really neat in the, the actor that played him. Yeah, there was like a series on. The Chosen? Yeah. And Zacchaeus was running around wow. the tax collector and he had this transformation. And that was Matthew. Was it Matthew? Yeah, that was Matthew. Oh, okay. I thought it was It was good anyway. Yeah, it was. <laughs> have you guys seen that? The Chosen? We have. I've seen that. It looks interesting. It's very good. Wow. So, I guess we all can agree that we are under the covenant that only really has one condition, which is believe in him, believe in the one whom he has sent, mm -hmm. right? Putting our trust in the finished work of Christ. That's the condition. That's the condition. Yeah. That's it. And then after that, just be an ambassador, just represent him wherever you're at, whether you're at the gas station or, or fishing on the dock. You know, just be, be an ambassador. Mm -hmm. And it, you don't have to earn that. Mm -mm. That's a part of your relationship. Mm -hmm. And the, the more time you spend with them, 
the more effective you'll be mm-hmm. in your walk. That's, and that's, that's just what it is. And that's with all of us. And this is why I like special times where you get over, you, you set aside to chew on the word. This stuff is vital. It's important. Oh, so tickled today, Lucy, of Jerry Lee and, and Jimmy Swaggett singing, tearing up over the Christian. They, they're singing Christian songs, and it was and special. If you go back to verse 17, what we just said doesn't take away from this verse given it shall be given unto you those concepts are still true Mm -hmm. but what we're saying is is that you don't give as a work and you give as your land yeah Mm -hmm. because Galatians 6 don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of God you will always harvest what you plant Mm -hmm. those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nation, but but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life mm-hmm. from the Spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Yeah. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. <clears throat> so you know, just you you walking in that desire to give that thanksgiving, that spirit of thanksgiving is just mm-hmm. it's it's like a live stream. Mm-hmm. Right. So as you give, there's more room to receive. John Jimenez used to call people up on the platform and he'd pull wad out of his pocket and peel off hundreds. And he'd say, now if I'm going to give this to this person I just called up, he said, who do you think is going to feel the best about it? And he said, I am. Because the person, the person, the receiver is like so grateful and in, almost in tears. And he was always talking to us, more blessed to give. And, and he would like do demonstrations. Yeah. Because, I mean, how, how good would it feel to have the resources to just buy somebody a house? So good. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be there one day. One day. <laughs> like right now, we're still doing, we're still helping pay off cars and eyeglasses and false teeth for people. But the time will come. Time will come and we'll get there. But when you hand somebody that's really in need what they need, they, they, they get into tears and they start thanking God. I mean, it's special. It really is special. All right. Well, we, we made it through Philippians. <laughs> what's next? Right. Yeah, and stay tuned for what's next. So let's see, just as a... Let's do Psalm 119. It'll take us four years to get through that. <laughs> I don't want Jesus to be that came back by then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we will. Let's. So obviously, next week we're off. And we'll. And the week after that, we're going to rest too. The first. Okay. Sounds sounds good. All right. So So we'll be back on the the 8th. Yeah. So we reconvene on December 8th. All right. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. All right. Bye-bye.